Hi, everyone. Welcome to Access to Healthcare Network's weekly podcast, where we bring you local guests on a variety of topics important to you and your family. Today, our topic is friendship, how we define them, why do we need them? And we're going to talk about that today with our frequent guest, Noran Brooklocker, a local marriage and family therapist with Sierra Sunrise Wellness. Welcome, Noran. Oh, what a joy to be here with you again, Sherry. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's a, a great topic, um, one we I don't think that we've delved into before as to uh, friendship and why it's so important for us. Before we get into why friendships are so important to us, let's see if we can define a friend. Uh, what is a friend? Is that something that each of us defines individually, uh, what we would call a friend? So there's uh, four stages of friendship. Um, there's the acquaintance, there's the casual friend, there's the close friend, and then there's uh, an intimate friend, or colloquially, the BFF. Um, so I, I would say that um, we we can certainly use friend in a very casual sort of way, um, but at the same time, what that means to one person can certainly be different to another. So part of the difference is in the level of conversation that you have. So it could be very surface level and talking about generalities, you know, the weather, how are your kids, how's your family, um, versus getting a bit more deep and personal um, and really wanting to know um, more of those intimate details um, and sharing those intimate details as well. So additionally, it's making plans with one another outside of a certain context, such as work or school or other settings. So an acquaintance is someone with whom really little is really known about uh, the other except for that base level information. Um, and additionally, we're often trying to impress our acquaintances, whereas there's less so of that with our close friends, um, where there's maybe that greater level of comfort in being oneself. Um, a casual friend is one that we're, we're usually um, not going to turn to in that moment of crisis. You know, that's not going to be your 3 a.m. friend. Um, actually, in fact, it can feel quite awkward. <laughs> that might be somebody that you go to a casual cup of coffee, but you're not necessarily going to invite to your home for dinner. Um, and a best friend is one who has withstood this test of time, the ups and downs of life with whom you can be honest, sharing things that might be difficult to hear, um, who's also been there in both truly difficult moments as well as, as that being someone with whom you've had by your side in moments of celebration too. Not only do you celebrate them, but they celebrate you. Well, let's let's go back and, and rewind on that a little bit because that's, that's a lot of definitions of friend. I mean, I'm, of course, thinking while you're talking about the casual friend, the acquaintance, thinking also about the workplace where since we're spending so much time with people and many times we can form a friendship, but it's also interesting on whether you keep that friendship going um, after somebody has left the job. You see that happening quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely those where it is that matter of convenience, where 
um, because you're close in proximity, um, it, it's a lot easier to be friends with that individual. And you certainly might develop a fondness for one another, um, but certainly after um, that convenience has ended, is there still that intention of reaching out and showing care in wanting to know how that person is, is still doing? Um, and making plans, uh, again, outside of the workplace. So it's not just a matter of convenience of I see you when I'm at work, but it's really um, say, hey, you want to go out for a drink after work? Or uh, it could be that, say, you um, get your kids together for a, for a play date, and then you really begin to develop that friendship where it's beyond just the, um, that initial context that you know each other within. Yeah, it's kind of like, um, <laughs> it sounds weird, but it's kind of like dating. I mean, you're really exploring each other and seeing whether uh, you want to continue the relationship, the friendship, whether it would move on to something besides either the casual or the acquaintance and into something that became more intimate. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> I yeah, think that there's I mean, even uh, friendship yeah. apps like Bumble, for example, where you can swipe left or right if you want to be friends. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Meetup. There's a there's a few different um, apps apps for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and 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 going back to the last couple of years with the pandemic and the isolation that we've had, um, it's been difficult at times to maintain our friendships with people because we're not out and about. Right. Absolutely. And there there can be a, a backsliding because I think one of the things that um, can be important, especially if there isn't like a really strong foundation uh, for a friendship, let's say that it was a close friend, but they kind of reduced down maybe to more of a casual friend and maybe with enough time and distance down to an acquaintance. Um, and part of that is that you really haven't had the, the time to um, see one another. It could mm -hmm. be that because of extenuating circumstances, as this last uh, nearly two years here, I mean, that's a significant chunk of time, and a lot can change in that period of time. Um, however, I would say, again, with like those intimate friends, it can feel as if, you know, a lot of time has gone by, but no time at all has passed. Right. So when you see right. that person again, it's you just pick up where you left off, and there's just this sense of um, continuing forward uh, on that life's journey with one another. Mm -hmm. Do you think that we define our friendships a little bit by the example that we saw growing up? How does that tie into it how the people around us have done their, their friendships? I'm not talking about their husband, wife, or partner relationship, but their friendships. Yeah. I think certainly attachment styles can make a difference here in terms of people's anecdotal history and their varying levels of trust for others. Um, childhood and one's upbringing can certainly shape ideas and expectations, um, as well as those family bonds and what was role modeled. So to, to your idea there in terms of not just those uh, significant other relationships, but how they got along with friends. And um, in addition to that, a, a friend of mine said, who taught your teachers uh, how to be friends? <laughs> So I love that because I think that there are these uh, ripples down the line, and I think it is important to pause and consider our own roots and history and 
better understanding some of our own uh, perceived strengths or weaknesses and, importantly, values. So to really go a little bit deeper on this question specifically, it's that idea that if you, um, you know, saw more the the casual side of the the friendships, you know, it was it was a quantity but not necessarily the quality, um, then you might think that having lots of, of people in your life is is that um, expectation. But unless somebody is really kind of getting into the the roots of it, you know, really getting to know one another and showing up in those those hard moments, um, you know, who, who showed up, whether it be a funeral, maybe it was a marriage, um, but it's these, these moments of time where we recognize those faces. I know for my own, um, my own parents, uh, they had close friends um, and some of them best friends that I'm, I'm still very close to myself because they've been a part of my life for nearly the entirety of my life. I, I've just known them in so many different moments of time um, and also seen how they showed up for my parents in really big ways. Well, let me, I have a couple of interesting questions to ask. One is I've heard a lot that males and females have a hard time being friends uh, because of the attraction issue. And men and women, I think, historically certainly can be friends without moving into a, a sexual or partner relationship, can't they? Yeah, I actually have a couple of male best friends myself, and um, I think that it's uh, not one that it would go that that direction with. Like um, they're like brothers, I would say, and I grew up with mm-hmm. brothers, so that I think is more natural for me at times. Um, but I, I think that different friendships can have different qualities. So one of my um, best guy friends I've known since middle school. He was my first friend that I had when I moved here to Reno, and uh, um, it was just it was never romantic between the two of us. He's just a real mm-hmm. goofball, and uh, I love him for that. But also, um, you know, he would share with me things that were going on with uh, relationships or, or girls that he was interested in. Sometimes more details I wanted to know. <laughs> um, but also, you know, vice versa, I would share with him, you know, like, I'm really confused by this behavior. What's happening? <laughs> and he would share with me, like, oh, no, you're you're getting ghosted. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> and um, I appreciated I appreciated that so much. But it's also important with those friendships to ensure that you're navigating respectfully with their spouse or partners as those people come into the picture. Um, Because I do think that, um, you know, there's a lot of different arrangements out there, but in terms of expectations of a a spouse or partner, what what they think – is important, you know, in terms of um, that level of intimacy. So, for example, physical affection, um, you know, is it okay to cuddle? And for some, that's going to be a really hard line of no, no, that's not okay, versus, um, you know, like, yeah, of course you can go out to coffee, but there's going to be important hard lines to navigate. And I think that typically in the friendship you'll do that anyway, um, but also I think it's being very respectful to a spouse or partner. And, of course, we have heard for years um, that you should marry your best friend and that the thing that lasts uh, the longest in a partner or marriage relationship is that friendship. Do you feel that, that that really is the most important thing 
in a long-term relationship? So John Gottman, I've highlighted him before. He's uh, one of the leading researchers when it comes to couples. Um, but he describes the sound relationship house, and um, he, he shows all these different levels, but the foundation of the house is friendship. And um, I think that certainly, you know, sexual attraction and intimacy are important, and that might be kind of initially where people um, uh, find uh, their interest in one another, but it has to go beyond that because that will oftentimes burn out. You know, when a person themselves feel burnt out, they're probably going to feel less inclined towards sexual intimacy. And really what they'll be needing is that emotional intimacy. And that's where the friendship really comes in is being able to hold space. So, yes, I would definitely say friendship is a really fundamental part of any successful marriage or relationship. Well, and I would think that the last couple of years with COVID has really tested that theory. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would, would say think so. so. <laughs> yeah. Now, what about... Um, another thing that um, we hear a lot, which is you're not supposed to be friends with your children. You're, not, you're supposed to be their parent. You're not their friend. I would say this is a both and. And um, I would say that there's a time and a place for both. I think that um, when it comes to, to children, they really need uh, structure and guidance. And at times, you know, they, they very much need to know those boundaries. Um, and there are times where they're going to say things like, I hate you or um, I don't like you right now. And uh, that is one of those where, you know, you're if you're trying to be their friend, then that might be where perhaps you change course or you change direction in order to placate or satisfy that need. Um, but sometimes, you know, and that's where that statement would come in is that it's not your job to be their friend. Um, however, I would also say that it, sometimes it is your job to role model for them what friendship does look like. So to, to that question you asked earlier, it's, it's a very similar piece here um <laughs> my my son calls um my husband his his best buddy and um i i think it's one of those where he wants to follow him around and um do everything that he does and yeah i think there definitely are times where you know we have to put our kiddo in time out there's you know something that's just happened and he's not going to be happy about it so i think it's a both and it's both being their friend um you know as far as creating that sense of emotional safety and intimacy but at the same time also being able to be that grounding cord of um structure, routine, and discipline as needed. Mm -hmm. Well, and having adult children um, in their 40s, mm -hmm. myself, I think that that I would say that my children are my friends now uh, yeah. because I'm not, I'm not there to raise them. I'm, it's not my job. It's not my job anymore. And it's kind of a nice transition, I think, yeah. to being friends with your children. Though I certainly understand, you know, when they were younger, uh, that wasn't my really my sole job. It was to help them to be mature, you know, to grow into mature and responsible adults. But um, I will say it's a little bit of a treat to have your children become your friends. Do we all need friends? I know some people would have a harder time 
what they would say, I don't make friends easily. Um, they think they have a harder time making friends and other people that they see that maybe are more extroverted. But do we all need friends in order to uh, to cope in this world? So this is actually a protective factor um, against completing suicide. And I think that um, one of the red flags for suicide is, in fact, really deep loneliness, a sense of being alone in the world. Um, and, you know, we've, we've discussed it before, this idea of you might be in a, a crowd, crowded room but feel completely alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when it comes to friends, there's, there's this sense of relief. It's like a, that kinship. But it's that person that's there to, that will lift you up when you're, you're down. And um, I think it's also that idea of the full circle piece of it, that they, too, allow you to be there for them. You know, it's all well and good to give and give and give, but if you can't accept that help, then it isn't quite that full circle. And I think it also feels really good for others to have the opportunity to be there for you, too. Um, but in terms of do we need friends? Yes, I would say so. I think um, if we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, this would be about the third level of love and belonging. Um, so it, it, you know, once your your basic needs have been met and you're safe, then it's that sense of feeling like you belong to um, to a to a crew to a wolf pack. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yes. And people, sometimes people look, though, and see people that they think have a lot of friends, um, and then they measure themselves up next to it and say, well, I don't have that many friends, and then they see themselves as not being enough because they don't make friends easily. We That doesn't mean that they can't make a friend. Correct. Yeah, I, I think that that one is a matter of quality versus quantity. Right, I think right. that it's, um, for myself, and I know you are also an introvert, um, mm-hmm. for, for introverts it, it can be a little bit more difficult um, in that, you know, I, I'm probably not going to be the person that's out there uh, making friends left and right, but there are going to be certain individuals over time that I really gravitate toward um, and who also gravitate towards me. Um, but I, I definitely think that um, it's not that there's something wrong with that individual. It just might be a little bit harder at times. And really, if you ask those who have that quantity of friends who who they could turn to in a really hard moment, like who would they want by their, their side at, at a hospital bed? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that might also be one of those indicative answers of, oh, actually, um, hmm. I don't know. I don't. I, I. I don't know who would drop everything to to just be mm-hmm. there for me, and that too, I think, is also a really important question. It, you might have a lot of friends, but are they there for you? Well, right, and that would be that definition of what we called close friend or BFF. We don't need necessarily a lot of those, but maybe we just need one. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Someone yeah. that we know that we can count on. There's that thing of who would you call at 3 a.m. and who would answer the phone. Right, right. Um, so do you? I, I read an article that said that having friendships increases our health. Um, it, that's sort of the social connection that gives us a, a good feeling. How do you think that increases our health? 
Well, it has, in fact, been proven that friendship can extend life expectancy and lower chances of heart disease. Um, you know, friendship, it truly can help us to survive. And, again, I think that life indeed does get lonely, and having those around you who just get it or um, who you can be a real hot mess express with uh, can really make all the difference in getting through those really rough patches. Um, one of my favorite parts of a wedding uh, are the toasts. I love hearing the silly stories, of course, you know, uh, the, the stories that give everyone a chuckle and even maybe a little bit of a cringe. <laughs> but also, I love when people get so meaningful as to how each person has been there for the other. So I think that friendship gives meaning and purpose to life. It's um, something where... Uh, when we when we get down on hard times or again when we want to share something really special it's that sense of kinship and belonging it's that ability to turn to somebody else and share you know the the ups and downs of of being um but it also can show that there's um better uh, it's called co-regulation so uh, when you're you're in somebody's vicinity with whom you feel safe, then you begin to feel your heart rate lower, and that's part of how that reduces that sense of heart disease or the the chances of heart disease. Um, that your body just starts to regulate in their presence. I think it's interesting if we were to really think about what it is that we look for in a friend, and sort of identify that. I know for myself it. There are some things that um, are really important to me. One of them is a sense of humor, but and also um, that we have some things in common, not necessarily about our job, but some of the things as women that we have in common. Um, is that how most of us pick who we're friends with? I've always said I thought it was more of an attraction uh, to somebody. Yeah, yeah, I think that there definitely are those people where there's like a vibe <laughs> or mm -hmm. you have a strong chemistry right off the bat. Right. It might be that you have a shared sense of humor uh, or some specific interest that many others don't. So it can feel as if you're finally meeting somebody um, who, who really uh, understands something that many others can't. Um, it might also be that to your idea there about like motherhood or women, it might also be that there's a specific time in someone's life, such as parenthood, moving, marriage, divorce, retirement. Mm -hmm. um, a bond can form in these moments of change and transition. So there are these times where it really can organically come about. Um, and there, there might also be times where um, it, it, it does take time in order for, for those moments to happen. And that might be that, um, you know, somebody uh, isn't in, in a space yet to uh, create that connection. They, are, they already have their friends, and so they feel a little bit busy or just not as available. Well, and let's go back to the last couple years because they've been pretty, pretty traumatic for most of us between covid and, of course, some political issues where you might be on the different side of the fence, uh, might have a lot of feelings about what's happening in the world that are polar opposite for each other, and how challenging it can be to maintain that friendship or relationship, um, the isolation of COVID, but also somebody maybe that's 
wants to get vaccinated and does, and the other friend doesn't, and there's a polarization of um, thoughts and ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I hear there is that there's these moments in time where things that maybe weren't as important before become really important, um, that there's there's this spotlight almost that, that's being shine, uh, shown on, on these areas that we begin to see some, some differences erupt. And um, in some cases, that might bring about some of these other aspects of that person that we didn't initially see. Um, and one of the ways I would also interpret this is that it doesn't mean that those feelings will last forever. Um, mm-hmm. I think that when we're in a moment of crisis and, and maybe anxiety is high or emotions in particular are just a bit volatile, um, you know, things can be said and done that uh, we look back on and feel differently again uh, later down the road. So I, I think that um, this is something that can be quite fluid, and we'll kind of have to see where things continue to evolve from here. Um, but it very well might be some major cutoffs that um, are lifelong. You know, mm-hmm. people losing friendships and um, even cut off from family members um, that will be permanent. Yeah, it's an, an interesting time for friendships, not only from the standpoint of the isolation or maybe differing views on things around COVID or politics, but it's also about being able to stay connected during a time when we were all supposed to disconnect to a certain uh, to a certain way. And I'm sitting here thinking of a few people that I really would like to reconnect with, and, and it's really my responsibility to do that. How can we be better friends now that uh, hopefully we're coming out of uh, the COVID era? I think it's being able to hold space. And I I know that not everybody understands or or really knows what that means. Um, So holding space is that that person might see things differently. Um, And sometimes because of our own views or perceptions, it's really difficult to be able to um, hear them in where they're coming from. Um, And I think that sometimes it's not a matter of having to agree with them. I think sometimes it's being able to both share authentically, um, but maintain respect and hold boundaries because when we've hit our threshold when and, and that is that we start to feel really elevated our heart rate starting to increase where we're beginning to have some of that shallow breath meaning we're going into fight or flight um, the conversation's not going to be as productive at that point it's the same thing for um, spouses We'd, we talked about this a, a little bit previously as well um, is knowing when to um, say okay all right so let's either you know, change course here. Um, We can always come back to this, but I think it's also allowing some of that other person's thoughts to marinate. And um, the other piece, too, is that we're, we're holding space in that while they do see things differently and that very well might change our perception of them and how close we want to be, and that might be partially trust, um, I think it's also giving generosity and having the most generous of um, feelings for them. So maybe they do see these things differently, and maybe they don't know some of the things that you're aware of. Um, and so it could be that maybe there's an ability to both be able to share with one another. 
Um, in addition to that, though, I think it's um, trying to stay in touch. It's caring about their lives um, and these moments that we've shared with one another. Um, I think that it's knowing that, you know, somebody is bothered and – I'll, I'll give an example. I had a um, lunch with a friend once, um, one of my best friends, and I could see that she wasn't fully herself. I said, hey, you don't quite seem like yourself. Are, are you okay? Is, is something going on? And she just broke down into tears. She was like, you know it. <laughs> and it was just this, this moment where I knew that that's not going to happen with everybody. I know right. that that was a moment where she she was able to break down into tears for the fact that it was me. Um, and also I, I am able to read her like a book. Um, but with that said, it's, it's also I'm not psychic, and so um, I really appreciate when someone is direct with with me lets me know their needs versus me having to guess yeah. because if I'm supposed to guess of you want me to call right now or you really miss me um, or you might assume that I don't miss you um, I think that that's one of those where it's like if, if that's what you want from somebody then you also could do that for them and share with them hey I really love when you call it really means a lot to me when you reach out well, what can we do to be better friends I mean, I, I'm sitting here thinking, uh, you know, what can I do to show the friends in my life? Um, it really comes down to connection, but it's also about listening and empathizing. And uh, and I miss the hugs of my friends. COVID sort of took that away from us for a while. Um, and also letting them know that that their accomplishments are fabulous and Sometimes it's just about checking in, don't you think? But I think also what COVID has done is many times um, we haven't had fun together. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's, right. Uh, because we haven't, we couldn't go out even for a drink for a while. Uh, we couldn't like go watch a concert together, uh, things that we consider fun. So I think we've got some making up to do, don't you, um, on some of the letting our friends know how much we care, but also having fun with them. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I absolutely agree with all of that, definitely. Um, and I'll, I'll attach here an idea around knowing another person's love language. So this is often in the context of, again, spouses, um, but it can also definitely be used um, with family members, with friendships, even with knowing um, your child's love language. So there are five love language, uh, languages, according to Chapman. Um, there's words of affirmation, uh, physical touch, gifts, uh, quality time, and acts of service. Um, and, you know, for some people, they're they're not often going to say, I love you. Um, it might be that instead they want to make sure that um, your, your tires are pumped up or that you have gas in the tank. Um, and so that will be the way that they show you that they care. Um, and for some people that's really hard because it's, it's not quite the same thing. So there's two different love languages there. And when we can know how the other person receives love as well as how they best give love, then it can better help us identify, oh, that's what this person is doing. Um, so for some people, um, getting a gift can feel like a replacement for that person's presence. Um, 
And for them, what they're really looking for is quality time. Um, but in addition to that, sometimes for another person, again, like myself, it's, it's really great to hear those specific words. So one of the things that you listed there was uh, applauding their accomplishments. So it's really saying out loud, like, hey, you should be so proud of yourself. I know how far you've come, and I know how much you've overcome, and you've really you've, you've done yourself so proud, and I hope that you can take this moment to be proud of yourself. Um, I certainly am of you. <laughs> Um, but even on your list there is like uh, getting more hugs. That would be that example of the physical touch. A lot of people are really craving hugs from people they love dearly right now. And having a good time. Can you go over yeah. that uh, love language once again? Started with, I believe, affirmation. Right. So there are five love languages according to Chapman. Uh, there's the words of affirmation, physical touch, gifts, uh, quality time, and acts of service. Okay. That seems like a wonderful way to um, to complete our discussion about friendships, Noran. Is there anything else that you would like to, to add? But I certainly think that uh, we can all look at those five uh, love languages and see how we want to express that to the friends in our lives. Right. You know, I, I think that there are moments where um, people really don't know what impact that they've had uh, on your life and the ripples that they've created. And mm -hmm. um, for for some, it can be really powerful to hear uh, the ways in which somebody else has, has in fact, been there for them. Um, these, these memories or moments that they might not have any recollection of, but that you do, um, that can be really powerful. Or also... Um, you know, for my own friends, I, I have just immense gratitude. Truly, truly, I have some friends that have just really been through the thick of it with me um, and who I can be fully and totally myself. Um, you know, they, they can show up at my house and maybe my house feels like a full disaster, but they don't judge me for it. They simply mm -hmm. hold space and they love me anyway. And they might give me a little joke or, you know, a nudge here or there, but Really, when it comes down to it, I know that I can fully and truly um, uh, be vulnerable. I think mm -hmm. vulnerability is a huge and very important part of a very close friendship. Well, and be yourself. Yeah. Be yourself. Exactly. Um, you, you don't have to um, think about what you're going to say or what you're going to do. You can truly, truly be yourself. And there's uh, nothing quite like that, don't you think? It's it's just um, a wonderful thing to have in your life, whether it's just with one person or whether it's with four or five people. It's fabulous. Right. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Norian. We've been talking about friendships. Um, what is a friend? Do we need friends? Yes, I think we established that we truly do need friends um, about how we can be a better friend and about what the last couple of years with COVID, how maybe we've disconnected I encourage everyone listening to connect with a friend and to let them know how much they mean to you. And maybe, hopefully, in 2022, we can reconnect and have fun with our friends again and go out with them and go to a concert and do things that we have loved to do. So thank you, everyone, for listening, and a huge thank you to Noran Brooklocker. She's a local marriage and family therapist with Sierra Sunrise Wellness. As always, Noran, thank you so much 
for being a part of this podcast. Thank you so much for uh, continuously uh, asking me back. <laughs> <laughs> well, and thank you for listening, everyone. We're we're going to put this out probably just before Thanksgiving. So wonderful time to uh, to think about our friends and how grateful that we are and to be very thankful for what we have in our lives. Have a great Thanksgiving and stay healthy, everyone. <laughs>